there's a side of you that comes out at, at moments like that when you're in the bottom or you're pinned up against the wall. There's a side of you that comes out that, that really tells you about your character. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you're new to the show, I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers in East Idaho and learn their origin stories and all about their business journeys. Uh, but today, I'm actually going outside of East Idaho a little bit. This man's vision has supported many small businesses all over the country, including our small business, and I can't wait for him to share his story. He's the creator and host of the PBS show, Startup. Welcome, Gary Bridell. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate <laughs> being on the show. Yeah, well, it's fun to be on this side of the interview because a couple of months ago, you were interviewing me. <laughs> it's not as fun being on this side, I have to admit, <laughs> but we're going to get through this one yes, step at a time, one edit at a time. We are going to get right. through this. Well, I expect it to be really good because you're the professional in this relationship. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, for the listeners who may not know, will you tell us a little bit about what Startup is? Yes. Startup is a television series um, that broadcasts nationally on PBS, uh, Create TV Network, which is essentially the cable uh cable channel for PBS that does lifestyle, food, travel. Um, and then we're also on World Channel, which is the sort of upper echelon of PBS programming, Frontline, Nova, Tavis Smiley. Um, I'm proud to say that Startup is actually the, the only show that uh, actually is uh, syndicated on all three. So we're on PBS, World, and Create. So I'm very, very proud of that. Um, what the show is, it, uh, we essentially go out and talk to entrepreneurs like yourself and your husband. Uh, we try to dig deep and allow um, the business owner to, to, to let the viewers into who they are. It's not just about business. It's, a, it's about the person. Um, and, I, and I think that's why viewers sort of connect with the show is we try to take a deeper dive into what motivates entrepreneurs, what, what kind of, you know, spark that initial idea. What keeps you going when times are really tough? Uh, what are the challenges? The things that, that viewers are, are sitting at home could watch the show and say, you know, there isn't much difference between that person and me. I have this dream. Why is it that I'm still sitting on the couch watching them, but they're out doing it? And when you eliminate excuses, like, you know, yourself and your husband and all the other people that feature, that we feature on the show, uh, that's what essentially you're doing is you're, you're eliminating excuses for the viewers. And that's, that's what we try to do with the show is show you that it is, it is possible for anyone. So what was the start of this? How did you even have the idea to create this show? Well, I, I had come out of a career in, uh, in radio. I was the digital director for clear channel radio for several years in Detroit, uh, overseeing digital for about, I think it was seven radio stations. Um, when the economy uh, completely tanked in 2008, I feel like it's sort of polarized in Detroit. We always kind of get hit first and harder than a lot of the country because of the auto industry, because of, um, you know, just it, it, seems to, it seems to have a really profound impact. Maybe it's just because I was here. I don't know. Uh, but I remember, um, you know, watching... 
people during the layoffs at Clear Channel, you know, get marched out of the building after 20 years getting walked out with by a security guard, uh, and and just sort of humiliating, you know, it, like a grow, a grown man in his 60s or something crying, getting walked out of a place that he committed his life to for so long, and I sort of realized at that point, you know, the if you're going to have loyalty. Um, why not be loyal to your own vision, to your own dream? Because even after 20 years of commitment and coming in there and doing a good job every day, the, the company still had really no loyalty to him. Nothing against Clear Channel, but that happened industry, vast across vast uh, amounts of industries. Uh, we all remember the fallout. Um, yeah. I was headhunted out to Austin, which seemed somewhat recession-proof at the time. And I ran radio stations there. And and the same thing was starting to happen. Business was starting to slow. Um, long story short, I moved back to Detroit. And, and literally, there was just, it, everything was just sort of dried up. There was nothing. Um, my dad had lost his pension and benefits from Detroit Diesel after, uh, after years and years and years of work and retirement. Um, so I just took a look around in my community and said, nobody has a clue what to do it doesn't seem like anybody has a clue what to do. Uh, there was this little coffee shop that had opened up in downtown Detroit in a neighborhood called Corktown. Uh, the coffee shop was Astro Coffee. And literally, they were like the only lights on the street. <laughs> there, was, there was those street lights and, and their lights were on and people were coming in and getting coffee. I, and it confused me. I'm like, how did these guys open up this shop? Why are they so busy? And a light bulb sort of went off. I was like, if these guys can do it, you know, cause there were no jobs, um, then maybe somebody else can do it. So I, t I took the camera and kind of turned it around and started asking questions. And I was really uh, fascinated with the answers. Um, and did, where did you think that was going to go at that time? Just well, I was, yeah, uh, I, I had the intention. I have to sort of back up when I was doing clear channel before that I, had made a couple of documentary films that did pretty well. And, and I had a commercial production company producing a lot of like television commercials. So I had camera equipment and being the digital director at the radio station, I was also responsible for a lot of their video content. So I had experience with video. I thought if I could do this, maybe I'd do a local access show, maybe a local Detroit PBS show. So after I filmed the interview, I took it into uh, a local, our local PBS station and they said, we think that this is really relevant. It's really good. Uh, go shoot Chicago and Cleveland. Let's try to make this a regional show. I said, great. You know, so we went out. We did exactly that. We shot businesses in Cleveland and Chicago. Or, yeah, in Chicago. We brought it back. And again, they said, um, we still think that this has a, sort of a national appeal. And they sent it off to PBS Plus for distribution in, in Washington, D.C., um, and it was within a few weeks later that we had a letter of intent for national distribution, you know, uh, on PBS and, and the other network. So that's yeah, really how it started. Surprise? Like, had you had even seen when you were going to these other cities that it might be national? I mean, it was always a, it was always a dream. It was a hope. But at that point we had my partner, Jenny and I had absolutely no clue how to make a television series. We didn't know what to do. Um, we were just sort of shooting from the hip. We wanted good content and, and we knew that it was interesting and we knew that, um, apparently other people found it interesting as well. Uh, it, it was surprising, but then it's like, you know, you, you just kind of have to step up and, and, and make it happen and learn. And, and there was another television show that was running statewide that, uh, 
a friend of mine from the old Clear Channel days was was developing, and and he was a big support in terms of learning sort of the process and twenty six forty six format and 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 PBS the the guidelines and rules are so strict because of FCC guidelines. Uh, so it's not it's not even like network television. There's a lot of rules and and things that you have to follow. So why PBS? You probably had other options. We did. We definitely had other options. Uh, there was one network uh, that will remain unnamed that contacted us and they were interested in the show. And they said, well, we're going to do this. Uh, you're going to have two startups side by side and they're both going to start at the same time. We'll see which one fails, and which one succeeds. I'm like, that's not the show that we want We want to produce. And then, of course, when it came to looking at what a contract was, um, you know, if the show didn't rate, it was off the air. They owned it and it went away and that was that. Uh, at least with PBS, like in the in the initial days, they they beat us up a lot in terms of content and we we're really uh, doing a crash course in FCC guidelines. Uh, so they adjusted editorial. As the process went on and we learned how to do it the right way, we gained complete control of our editorial. That's the reason why we're on PBS because we want to remain inspirational educational and entertaining at the same time. Um, and network television it just truly does not have an interest in inspirational programming. I mean, it does flat out say it like, uh, for another show we were producing for, for network, um, talking to, you know, one of their main, one of their main folks, you know, if you say, Oh, I have an idea for an inspirational show. It's, it's a laugh. It's funny. <laughs> like that, that, that legitimately happened. And I was like, Okay. It's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> no, uh, dra- it's, it's all about drama. And if there is none, create the drama. And if you can't create the drama, it's off the air. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited that PBS was saw your vision and can support what you're doing. Your format has changed a little bit. Now you are on season seven. Season seven will start this fall. So mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Has that had just been your evolution or just has worked better to change the format? Well, we started with, in season one, we started with three businesses per episode, which gave each business about five and a half to six minutes to tell their full story. Yeah, that's not long. And, and the chaos of shooting 39 businesses in one season. I, I have stories, my gosh, are car getting towed in Times Square. Oh, no. like, if, it, if you find a parking spot in New York City, it's, it's not a parking spot. It's illegal. You just <laughs> don't find a parking spot in New York City. You have to pay. Um, and one of our uh, assistants had parked the car. It's like, I found this. Oh, spot. no. So I'm sprinting down the road in dress shoes, like chasing a tow truck with our sponsored GM vehicle, you know, being towed to some undisclosed location in New York City. 39 businesses, absolute chaos, uh, like lose your mind type of stuff, uh, especially as it pertained to the edit. But most importantly, we could have adjusted to that. It didn't tell enough of a story. Uh, It was like, who are you? What'd you do? Where'd you get the money? Okay. uh, The end, you know, and that's kind of what it was. I didn't, I didn't think it was a deep enough dive. So we went down to two and, and two, I thought worked well, but it was enough with two businesses in an episode about 11 minutes each <clears throat> it was enough to like really tell the business story but that that was about it i wanted to get personal i wanted to learn what what made the individual really 
really tick. I think that's what uh, that's what people find interesting. That human, a lot of yeah, a lot of the stories like will will sort of carry over with business. You know, there's profit, there's loss, there's the way that you should utilize cash and not utilize and utilize debt and whatever. And and a lot of those things sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're they're uh, you know exactly uniform across the board, but a lot of it can can make sense. Yes, social media is important. Yes, using web is important. Like all of that. But yeah. the personal story, what brought you to that point is, is seem, it seems to be uh, what viewers are most interested in. Yeah, right. I think that's what people like about this show. Um, I have listeners who aren't even in East Idaho. They don't really have particular interest in the nuts and bolts, but they love that inspirational story. Yeah, it's it's almost hearing about who the who the person was, uh, you know, before the business. Really, understanding what it is that that motivated them internally, mentally, emotionally. I, I think emotionally more than anything. What what is it that made you really sick of your current situation that you had to push forward? And and after interviewing, you know, over two hundred, over two hundred really in depth interviews with people. Uh, you find that there, there's no crossover in those stories. Everything is unique. Yeah, there's enough similarity that we have a connection. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Y- y'all yeah. took the plunge. <laughs> yes. yes, and we're staying in the plunge. That's the even more remarkable thing because a lot of us start businesses and then unfortunately we're not able to keep them. So it's good Correct. to see those businesses that are thriving as well. Yep. Definitely. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about what the vision of the show is. Where are you going to take this? I mean, I want to keep doing exactly what we're doing. I really like the format of uh, being able to dedicate, you know, a full episode to an entrepreneur. Um, I I like the format as it is. So that I, I mean, covering more uh, small towns across America, I think, is a goal in coming seasons for sure. Uh, we love we love hitting you know small town America. I think most people can relate with that. Not everybody lives on the coasts. Yeah. Um, and then also we have a book coming out called Startup Stories, which is uh, a really deep dive. Almost I don't want to say a how to, but a how they did it from the business owner themselves. That would if you read it, it kind of reads like a chicken soup for the soul with a lesson plan at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that book is uh, fully written. The manuscript is with copy editors right now. And we've already met with our publisher and everything. So that will be coming out. I believe we're going to be doing PBS Pledge in the spring with that book. How fun. Okay. Well, we'll look for that. And then, uh, that yeah, that'll be, we'll have information on where you can find the book in probably January, I'd say. And then uh, we're also launching a podcast, something you're very familiar with, uh, called Before the Business, which focuses specifically on who the person was and the struggles and everything they had to contend with before they started the business. So we're not really going to get into the nuts and bolts of what their business is. We'll do a a 10,000 foot view of it. Um, But this is really about the, the struggles and the hardships that they had to deal with before getting there. Yeah, I always love that. And you will be asked that question about how did you overcome the self-doubt and the struggles and all of those things? Because I think that's where a lot of inspiration can be found. Oh, man. You don't have to answer that right now. I did overcome it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm still sitting here very doubtful. I, I doubt everything that I do. I don't know if that's the right answer, but it's the most honest. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely, I, 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 I question everything probably to a fault. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the author, uh, Eckhart Tolle, but he, okay, you are. All right. I, so I, mm-hmm. I uh, you know, I have power of now on repeat, you know, like in uh, a new earth I've read a thousand times and I still can't seem to stay in the moment. Yeah. I have, you know, one foot in the past and one in the future, constantly ignoring the present, um, on a daily basis. And, and, but I will say progress, not perfection every day. I'm trying. You know, a, a, a funny story about, you know, just being grounded. Like I thought that I wa- lost my wallet yesterday. I couldn't find it literally anywhere. And it destroyed my evening. Like I was in the worst mood. I'm run- I'm panicking. I'm thinking of all the phone calls I'm going to have to make and changing the credit card numbers and all the accounts that are hooked up to this. And it's like a twisted spider web, yeah, right? Yeah. It's horrible. I'm like everything is in my wallet. How am I going to get a driver's license? I got to fly <laughs> soon. And- so this morning I was just like, take a breath, you know, and I took my dog on a walk. I I came back and it was sitting in the chair. I don't, I don't know if that's like divine wallet intervention or what, (laughs) but literally I'm like, okay, I tipped that chair upside down three times. I dug through it. Like, that's just creepy. But again, it's about staying, it's about staying in the moment and staying calm and not being so, you know, stressed out all the time and worried about everything. Like it's going to work out no matter what. You can do that last night though. You have to figure it out. Yeah. I realize that in the moment you're like, no, my world is ending, but isn't that a great lesson about just calming down? What a great, I love that story because I think it just really resonates with so many of us, especially entrepreneurs where we just feel desperate at times. And, and panic, like running around, like I, I, this is, everything is going to fail. Like I'm, this is the end. Like it's going to take me days to get this figured out. And, and literally I was like, I, I wasn't mean or anything, but I was quiet and like reserved and tense. Your family up. knew something was up. Oh, for a hundred percent. Like, how come you haven't talked at all tonight? Papa? And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, before bed, I said, I apologize if I was a little bit quiet this evening. I just got to find my drink. I, find my <laughs> I didn't even say that. And this morning it was twice as bad, you know, and that maybe that is a good metaphor for entrepreneurship. It's like, yeah, take a walk. And I'm going through one of those weird phases where everything is sort of like scattered, crazy, panicky. But um, yeah, I, I think we we all feel that when you don't have the security of going in a nine to five job and it's someone else's responsibility to, to make sure that you have, you know, benefits and that you're, that you're paid and everything is good and goes, but then on the flip side of that, there's the insecurity of knowing that someone is in control of your destiny. So it's this constant back and forth, push and pull that, that, that at least I, I'm not going to speak in generality, you know, or general terms, but that's how I feel all the time. Yeah. And that's why entrepreneurship works for you because the freedom of that is more important than that steady paycheck. It is. uh, And the problem is that I'm unemployable. Um, I'm a terrible employee. The second I get hired in at a job, I'm fantasizing about how to get out. So as much as I like think, oh, I, you know, I could just go get a job at one of these media companies and everything will be great and whatever. And I can talk about this show that I did for seven years. And it's like, and then I get an email from a viewer where they're like, you know, I watched an episode and, and, and it totally, you know, changed my life and, and I'm going to do it. And it's like, 
come on, man. Why do you have to send that? You know, I was just ready to quit <laughs> all of it. Plan. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to walk away. Get a cushy uh, job, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for not doing that. But talk to us a little bit about what you have to be away from your family for weeks at a time when you guys are filming, correct? Um, it's I travel on average for about two months out of the year. So yeah. I'll be gone for about a month and filming and then gone with filming webisodes or doing sponsor related activities like a Facebook live stuff. Or I, I have a, a monthly article for Entrepreneur Magazine as well. So I'll fly out and do you know, stuff for them. Um, like do a Facebook live last year. I was gone for a few days in Boston doing one with, uh, with Jim cook from Sam Adams. So coll- collectively it's a couple months out of the year. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but we've gotten used to it. You have a young family. I do. Yes. I have an eight year old and 11 year old. Yeah. Um, it never, I will say we've gotten used to it. Just the expectation of knowing, okay, you know, I have to go on the road again, but do you ever really get used to it? I would say the one thing that's really helped a lot is FaceTime. FaceTime is huge. Um, yeah. I could be driving through, I was driving through, uh, you know, the mountains in Utah this year and, uh, and my daughter was on FaceTime and I was showing her, you know, the phone out the window and the, and it kind of felt it, it eased her. She was having one of those freak out moments herself, but she it feels that. like you're kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Technology really has helped us bridge those miles. It has. It's, that's, that's the one good thing I can say about technology. I know you talked about your dad's pension, but did you have, were your parents entrepreneurs? Did you come from an entrepreneurial family? My mother was an entrepreneur. So I had the, I had the spectrum. Uh, my dad was a, I think 35 or 40 years every single day up at 4 a.m., I drove 40 minutes to Detroit Diesel and then home at night, exhausted, eat dinner, lay down, go to bed. And that was his life. Um, And my dad is a is a fantastic person, you know, a Vietnam vet. He served his country, He worked, he did everything he had to do. And now he's enjoying his life. He's much calmer now, I'd say. Uh, But my mother had a hair salon that was attached to our house. So I grew up watching her. She was the center of the town gossip. Um, I would sit in there and listen to, you know, uh, uh, some unrepeatable things, you know, of the what's going oh, on. I know. With- I've been in the salon. Okay. okay. Well, then, you know, as, as a kid, I'm sitting there, you know, playing with my toys, but really I'm just sitting there listening. Um, <laughs> but I watched my mom kind of have that freedom where, where she enjoyed her work. She sat and talked and laughed and had fun and she loved, and these people left smiling and giving her money. Like, I like that better than <laughs> what dad's doing. I like that a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I want to make people smile and laugh, and I want to, you know, maybe get paid at the end of it to be able to survive and sustain. Um, and we grew up down the road from a, a golf course with some really horrible golfers because there were more balls on my side of the fence than in <laughs> So I would go down and collect golf balls. Instead of a lemonade stand, I actually sold golf balls in the front yard and and to anybody I could, because my parents, they couldn't afford like the things that I want, like Air Jordans and stuff that I wanted that other kids had. And I didn't get them. I was, we were the Payless family, you know, the pro wings. Um, so if I wanted it, I had to work for it. So I learned at an early age that if I work, I make money and then I can, I can have what I want. Um, and that, that basic principle always stuck with me. You know, it was, if you, if you work, you can make money and you can have freedom. It doesn't have to necessarily fit into some sort of specific square 
box. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think so many of us are programmed with if you work hard, if you kill yourself, you know, oftentimes kind of like what you explained that your dad did. If I work from sunup to sundown, then I'll have money. But it's not like that entirely anymore. There's so many opportunities that you don't have to kill yourself like that. Now, my mom stood on her feet and she did, you know, she would put in perm rollers and she would stand there or whatever. So she worked hard. Yeah. But there's a massive difference between enjoying your work and having to work because you, so I think it's, it's not even about work smart or work hard. It's, it's about work hard. But if you really enjoy it, you never really work a it's day. Not work. And, and that's how I feel about doing the show. It's very hard work. And sometimes I, you know, like I said, sometimes it gets very, very difficult um, to keep the ship sailing. Uh, but it's not work at the same time, you know? Yeah. I, I love how you said you get those emails that give you that shot um, yeah. because really that's what it's about. You are influencing lives. Yeah. I, I And it's, uh, it, it's not something that I, I don't know. It's hard to sort of conceptualize because it, like my kids, when I watch the show, they'll say, is that weird seeing yourself on TV? And, and I'm sort of detached from it. I, I say like, when I watch it, that's not really me. I don't watch it looking at that's, that's me on the show. And it feels the same way about the emails. It's not, it's not me. It's like, um, just part of this wave that, that myself and, and all the awesome people around us, David, our creative director, and Brianna and Raisa and Jenny and everybody have sort of created this machine, you know, this thing that's uh, moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's sort of humbling at times. It's, yeah, I'm sure. What do you think the impact has been of the show on the people that you have interviewed or just the, peop- the viewers? Well, I mean, we've had a, a ton of really amazing feedback from people that were on the show uh, from, you know, season one, the first business we did, the Gouda Girls, their their business really sort of skyrocketed. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to take any credit for any of the business's success, but we, we will say that their businesses have told us that, you know, they've had a lot of customers call in and, and reference the show. They've had people come in and talk about the show, uh, call, write, email, um, Last year, Grassroots Ranch was a, a farm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. After the episode aired uh, on the East Coast, they got flooded with calls from high-end restaurants in Philadelphia, New York, and, and all over asking them to ship out their, you know, their organic grass-fed meat. So yeah. they called us freaking out. We don't know what to do. We're getting requests for all these orders. Like we need to start doing shipping and mail. Like, look, man, we're we're journalists. Like, we don't, we're not in the meat <laughs> shipping business, and we're congratulations that now this has opened up a thing. Um, it shut their website down a couple of times, so wow. that was really good. That was really good for them. Um, I think the impact for for viewers. I mean, it, it, reading the emails, we've had a couple. I would say over seven years, a couple of haters write in with like funny negative comments, uh, primarily <laughs> about me. Uh, oh, but other wow, than that, personal. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, like literally everything has just been either, I want to be on the show. I want to nominate a business or, or I watched this episode. I loved it. Where can I see it again? Or, you know, this sort of gave me the, the inspiration and the courage and the push to start my business. So thank you. Like that sort of thing. 
Yeah. Um, it's I been fun. It. Oh, go ahead. No, that's oh, it. It's been fun. We've done a little bit of teasers just here in East Idaho to share the fact that we will be on startup and when it will be airing. And I've had some of those comments like, oh, startup is my favorite show. And I just am so excited to watch you guys on it. And I'm like, this is so fun because I do think that you have a great following. People do watch it to be inspired and to feel like, we don't have to give up on life. You know, there are some great things happening out there. Yeah. I, I, I love the, um, the way that, that business owners like yourselves and others are just allow themselves to be candid and open and share their personal stories about their life. And that, that is a huge thing also that has to be noted is the, um, the willingness of, of folks that, that will open up their, their lives to us. Like we come in like, like gangbusters, you know, and, and just invade your life for a full day and take over your business and everything. And, and, um, we're really grateful for that. So without you guys, there's no show, you know, how do you choose? I know that you talked about businesses being nominated. Um, how, how do you choose the cities and the businesses that are going to be there? Because honestly, you know, when we heard that you were coming to East Idaho, it, it was just exciting because typically in Idaho, the western side of the state gets much more attention. So Boise, what brought you to East? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Uh, what brought us here? Uh, okay. So to answer the first part of the question, when we're when we're doing casting, we look at nominations first, and then we see if they fit into our geography. To be brutally honest, geogra- uh, geography sort of comes down to: I open up my computer, I look at a U.S. map, I look at the places where we haven't gone yet, and I scroll through and pick up pick up uh, you know pull up cities on Google. I pulled up Idaho Falls. I, I remember I was like sitting on my couch at home with my computer open. I pulled up Idaho Falls and the pictures on Google were stunning um, of like the river. And it was, it just looked like a really gorgeous place. So I pulled a population. I read a little bit about it um, and I put it on, I put it on the list. It was that simple. And then I looked at, you know, sort of geography, where can we go, you know, in a sort of a geographical circle around that, that's not going to have us driving over you know, nine, 10 hours or something. Right. Um, and, and it was, it was truly that simple. I, I knew that we wanted to come to, to Idaho. Uh, and I'll usually bypass the bigger city in the state for the smaller one, just because I feel like those, again, those stories seem to resonate a little bit more with middle America, the folks that really watch our show. Yeah. It's so fun because of course us who live in these communities feel like it's the best place in America to live. Um, so it's fun to be able to showcase our little space and share it with the world a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, we had a great time in Idaho Falls. It was, uh, it was fantastic to be there. And I'm sure it is probably one of the greatest places to live. You know, it, it, it just seems Among like a others. friendly, everybody knows each other sort of thing. It's yeah, it's something to be said about, about smaller towns in America. For sure. I grew up in a tiny little town, so I, 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 yeah. I hear you. Well, we had you here in May and it was still a little bit cold. So one of these times just to visit, we're going to have to have you back in the beautiful part of the summer and enjoy Yellowstone National Park and all that we have over here. I was sick as a dog when I came. 
I know. Gosh. I I spent the first week of the trip so sick. So yeah, I'd love to come back to to Idaho at some point and be able to enjoy it. Not sick and in less cold for sure. Well, that's the other thing you get is some best friends along the way. You have a lot of connections. So we're always here. Absolutely. All right. So I I do have a question that I kind of like to ask. What do you think or what would you say was the most worthwhile risk that you've taken? And maybe it isn't even with this show. Um, You are an entrepreneur. Otherwise you and your wife have a business. Isn't that correct? Correct. Yep. We own a a hair salon in in, uh, Ferndale, which is a community like one mile North of eight mile Detroit. Yeah. So what would you say is the most worthwhile risk that you've taken? (sighs) Okay. Most worthwhile risk. When I got back from Austin um, and moved back and, and my wife and I had, had bought a house and it was sort of at the bottom of the economy, um, I could not find any sort of work anywhere. It was, times were really tough uh, to the point where literally we were on food stamps. I didn't know how we were going to feed our you know, daughter. And I was like, I, we need to figure this out. And I got a job offer from an agency, a media company, and I had the idea for startup. Um, I got a job offer and my wife was like, and it was like for a six figure salary. And my wife said, don't take it. She said, follow this dream, chase it, do anything and everything you can to make this happen. If you go in, you're going to be miserable, miserable again. You'll find a way to make money in the meantime. Um, and I'll never forget that. That was a massive risk saying no, turning down that much money when we were literally, you know, dead broke. You needed to eat. Correct. And I, you know, after saying no, it was like, ah, it, it was, it was a very confusing, but also exhilarating sort of feeling. Um, literally a couple of weeks after I had started this little like app company um, and that would allow for online ordering for bars and restaurants. And I went out door to door and knocked on bars and restaurants doors and I sold them. We got off the food stamp and I was bringing in plenty of money for us to survive. And it gave me enough of a cushion to really put everything I had into starting the show. Um, oh, that's great. Danny shooting the pilot. That was the biggest risk was being, it was truly saying no to something comfortable. Do you think saying no to, uh, you had to make something work because you need to take care of your family. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was the hardest part. It was like, you know, and and I had this sort of app idea that I could go out and I could make money from restaurants or whatever, but I was sort of in between. Um, After saying no, it was like, okay, gloves are off. I don't have a choice. I got to get out every single morning. I have to be disciplined enough to go out, meet with these folks. Um, When I sold the first app, uh, gosh, this was like 2009 or something like that. When I sold the first app, it was exhilarating. It was like, oh, like this you probably still remember it. I do. Yeah. It was the bench pub in Livonia and they, they, uh, they wrote me a check for $500 and gave it to me. And I went and I was like, yeah, yeah, I did it. because then it's like a vampire. You taste blood. You're like, ah, they did it, you know? And now I'm going to make it so good for them that they're going to be my referral. I'd be like, oh yeah, we have a ton of restaurants and bars that do it. Just ask the bats pub. It's like one person, you know? Yeah, we think that, that this is great. We love it. It's changed our business. You know, it's one person. But yeah. that cycled into two, three, four, five. And then people were asking, can you do a website? And can you do social media? All of this while I was working with Jenny and David and these guys creating startup. 
um, it all worked out uh, again, like running around the house, looking for the wallet. Sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and calm down and it'll appear in front of you. I love that story. What I also love is that it's a lesson in just move because so many of us get paralyzed with all the little details and we have to have everything perfect before we move on to whatever that is. And it's an excuse. We're scared or whatever. And so I love that. You didn't have a choice. You just had to move. Yeah. That's the one thing about being at the bottom or being pinned into a corner. Uh, It's it's, it's sort of a, uh, I, I don't want to say a comfortable place. It's a very, I, I don't know what the word is. I'm, I'm at a loss. Like, like when you're, when you're at the bottom, you, you know that you have to do something. It's like fight or flight in a way, it, mm-hmm. it, but, but having to do completely 100% with your life, with your livelihood. Um, yeah. It's, it's well, like there's a side of you that comes out at that at moments like that when you're in the bottom or you're pinned up against the wall. There's a side of you that comes out that that really tells you about your character. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's the best way to answer that. There's. And so, what'd you learn about your character? That I still have a little fight in me. I still have a little bit of fight in me. Yeah. For sure. Sometimes I'm tired, you know, but I still have a little bit of fight. And I appreciate my wife for telling me to say no to that, to that job, because we would not be sitting here today. That's for sure. I was going to say that. Thank you to your wife, because I, I don't know if all of us would be able to give that same advice to our spouses. Um, that's scary. to me more than I did. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it paid off. You, you're doing pretty good. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. So thank you. So what advice would you give to an individual considering self-employment? Oh, man. I would say to be honest with yourself about how you can deal with difficulty, with challenges. Um, If you are a person that is going to be in you know, freak out mode constantly and not be able to handle the stress and deal with it. And it's going to put you in a literally into a mental institution because you cannot handle the stress of not having that certainty. You should probably rethink it. Be honest with yourself. I I won't say everyone and anyone can do this and be an entrepreneur. I don't think that that's true. I think that there's, there's certain folks that, that just are sort of risk averse and can't emotionally or mentally handle the ups and downs of being a business owner. And yeah. I'm talking about those real rough early years, you know, uh, not when it's sort of running itself and smooth sailing and established, but those really rough early years. Um, be honest with yourself. Can you get past it or is it going to just sort of ruin and sink you, sink you further down? Um, I've seen it happen. Truly, I've seen um, people that really want to be self-employed, want to be entrepreneurs, but just aren't wired for the stress. And it is stressful. Yeah, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. It's not like watching Shark Tank, guys. It's not like, you know, or even with watching our show, watch the moments where the folks will break down in tears when things were really, really hard and really bad, like in the Davinia episode, you know, it's like uh, those folks went through some serious struggle, uh, really serious struggle, and, and many other folks on the show. So it's not just the end result. It's 
it's being able to truly handle, handle that stress, you know, um, look at yourself in the mirror and, and be extremely disappointed with, with the results, but still be able to keep going. Yeah. I love that. I thank you for dark and depressing, but it's it's not dark and depressing. It's, it is the reality. And I think so many who maybe don't really understand what this is like, look and say, Oh, Oswald service, you know, they're doing great. Well, we've been in business for 80 years (laughs) and this is the third generation. And so maybe today we look that way, but what's happening here at this kitchen table is we're not sure if we're going to make payroll and people don't understand. We might be bringing money in, but money's going out. Always. And, and with your story, I mean, yes, 80 years old, but, but with, with what you guys did um, in purchasing the company changing it from that two bay, you know, uh, place to high technology and, and the, uh, the amount of revenue that you're able getting, just getting rid of gas alone and that type of thing. Like, um, those were difficult decisions. I, it is a generational business, but I almost feel like you guys had your own startup when you took it over because it's not the same as well that it was back in the day. You guys made a lot of difficult decisions. So, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said about, about you guys starting you know, the new phase of Oswald's, I'll say. Yeah, thank you. I think, um, I agree with you. It is a different, we've always played kind of small because that's what we thought we were. And then when we realized, you know what, we have a great business and we can serve more. Um, that was our awakening and we've got a responsibility to serve East Idaho. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it can be deceiving that the, the, the multi-generational business, but you guys took it to a whole other level for sure. Well, I'm excited for you to tell our story and I'm a little nervous about seeing it, but I'm, no, I'm excited. Good. Anything else, Gary, that you want to share with the listeners why you got us? Hmm. No, I, I think, I think that's about it. I think I'm good. Um, unless there's anything else you have. Yeah. Um. We're good too. I guess I do have one more question. I, I like to know tips, um, from people who are in the trenches and making it work. Do you have any books or podcasts maybe, or something that you would recommend that keeps you, in, you inspired? Again, I would go back to, um, to Eckhart Tolle Eckhart. I, I, and reading it, uh, you know, either A New Earth or, or Power of Now, either one of those books. I think that his message, his message is absolutely profound um, about, you know, staying in the moment. And, and it, seems, it seems so simple, but my gosh, it, it is extremely difficult. If we actually become the sort of silent observer of our mind um, and realize we are not, you know, the voice inside our head. You know, we're, we're sort of the, 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 the outer being that recognizes we're, that we're not that voice. Being in the moment is extremely difficult, but it can be a, if you can sort of master that meditation of staying in the moment, I think it can be life-changing. I've, I've had brief periods where I've been able to, to really be there in the moment. Um, and now it's like a, something that I'm actively pursuing. So I would recommend anybody at any phase in their life to go out and, and, and read or listen to Eckhart Tolle for sure. And he is amazing. Uh, He was just on Super Soul Sunday with Oprah uh, and 
you can just tell his presence is calm. Just It's just his core. And to be able to even get a glimpse of that, I think is a gift because so many of us go through our lives and never have it. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so what is life for you like now? Are you hot in planning season eight? Uh, we right now is a lot of writing. Um, I got to write, uh, all the voiceover for all the episodes. Uh, so I think I'm at about episode 10 right now and delivery. So it, after we film the show, that's when the, when the real work starts, you know, it's editing and, and then, uh, voiceover recording voiceover. Um, and then of course, you know, closed caption and Techie Val and all the other stuff. So right now is busy time of uploading all the episodes into, into PBS and getting it on the air. Um, we also have a couple other programs that are in development and uh, of course working on the book and getting ready to launch the podcast. And then we start planning season eight, probably in November. Can you tell the listeners when we'll be able to start seeing ep- or season seven uh, in Idaho? Yeah. Uh, so Idaho Falls, I think it's IPT, IPTV. Idaho, Idaho Public Falls. Television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Idaho PBS station, I believe that's statewide. Um, they carry World Channel. And we start airing nationwide on World Channel um, on Sundays at 1.30 p.m. Uh, so I believe your episode will air in November. Um, yeah, I'll World tell Channel. you, November 24th. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. So November yeah. 24th on World Channel. And we're episode seven. So I know Divinia is episode two. So we'll probably see them in October. Correct. Yep. Okay. I have to double check the dates, but I believe they would be October 24th-ish, something like that. Okay. Whatever the Sunday is after we start. Yeah. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, All right, Gary, what a treat it has been to have you on the show to turn the tables a little bit. I love your story of inspiration and your help to spark the economy and do something especially for the city that you love. Um, Your vision has served hundreds of small businesses and communities all over the country and Oswald Service is blessed to be on that list. So we're anxious to see our episode and watch the whole season seven. Um, I really am also excited to see the town of Idaho Falls and the surrounding area be highlighted and I just feel pride for that. So thanks for giving that to us. And you're very welcome. The pleasure was all ours. All right, we'll be looking for the show. As you know, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair, located in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. Um, As I said, Oswald Service is the episode seven of Startup Season 7 and will air on November 24th on PBS. So set your DVRs, watch the episode, and learn why I always say to you, come and see us and let our family take care of your family. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening to learn tips and tactics that will help you lead your business to success in our business leadership moment. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hey guys, thank you for staying for the business leadership moment. Just a reminder that this segment is sponsored by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference and it's right around the corner just getting so excited for it. It is the 6th through the 8th of November. And um, 
It was just announced this week that Alex Boyer is going to be the closing keynote speaker. So that's pretty exciting. So we'd really love to see you there. Get on uh, IdahoRiseCon.com or RiseCon.io. And Rise is spelled with a Z. And get your tickets and uh, be there and come join us. Uh, RiseCon also has a sister event called RiseX. Um, RiseX October event, there's only going to be one event this month. So um, October and November are going to be a little bit strange with RiseX because of RiseCon. So lots and lots of things going on there. Please check it out. Please join us if you can. And and I promise you will not be disappointed. And if uh, you don't remember... I am speaking, so I need your support too. Hey, I wanted to address today in the business leadership moment something that Gary talked about, and it just really hit me, and I wanted to just spend a little bit of time on what he talked about with Eckhart Tolle and how he's really learned about being centered and in the now. He talked about having peace from being in the moment and from being present Um, and referred to Eckhart Tolle and his books. So for those of you who are not familiar with Eckhart Tolle, he has a few books that he is known for. Uh, One of those is The Power of Now, and another one is called A New Earth. And I think he's pretty much known for being a spiritual teacher. Um, He had his own journey as I understand it, of transformation when he was like 29, 30, something like that. He had had an episode uh, or an extended period of time where he had been depressed and uh, really struggled. And he talks about having his transformation where he literally woke up and had this very present moment and begin observing instead of being anxious and depressed and reacting. He began to be present in the now and observing. And um, some of the things that he, some of the teachings that he says probably summarizes best how, uh, what he experiences and what he teaches. I'll just read some of the things that he has said so that it can give you a better idea. And they're great to ponder on and just think about uh, if you can really live this, how it really can bring you that peace when you center yourself. Um, One of the things he said was, when you surrender to what is and become fully present, the past ceases to have any power. You don't need it anymore. Presence is the key. Now is the key. And I wanted to refer back to something that Gary talked about. He told us about the story with his wallet. And boy, I think we can all relate to that. In that moment, the last thing you want to do is be centered and present. And um, he talked about how he was thinking about all the things he was going to have to do, the phone calls he was going to have to make. And um, I can kind of relate to that because it's interesting. This episode with Gary, I feel I recorded several weeks ago and I've been waiting to drop it so that it's going to be timed when the startup season is is happening. So startup has, I think, happens maybe next week. And I wanted it to be timed with that. So I've held on to the episode. And in fact, it might be tomorrow. Anyway, um, well, my computer crashed. So I usually do my shows on my portable recorder, and I have all of my shows on an SD card, and I upload it to down to Dropbox. So 
it's not usually dependent on my hard drive, but when I do a Zoom interview, I upload it to my hard drive. And I had had it sitting on my hard drive, right? Because I hadn't dropped this show. So when my computer crashed last week, uh, it kind of, a, a couple of days ago, it hit me what was on that hard drive. And oh, I was totally sick because I was sure that I had lost this episode. Um, thankfully, somewhere in my mind, uh, a month ago or so, I had moved the episode to Dropbox. So that's why you got to hear the episode. But I can tell you, I can completely feel all of the anxiety that he was having and losing his wallet because I was living it when I thought I had lost his show. And um, so what a great lesson to us to be able to center. Um, We make things so much worse than they have to be uh, when we overthink it and really freak out. Easier said than done, just like Gary said. It, It was a great example to a lot of things that he taught us there. Um, Another quote that I really loved from Eckhart was, Realize deeply that the present moment is all you ever have. Make the now the primary focus of your life. Um, Another quote, he says, Peace comes from being aligned with the present moment. Wherever you you feel like you are, sorry, whenever you feel like you are home. No. How about I start that over? I totally ruined that. Peace comes with being aligned with the present moment. Wherever you are, you feel like you are home. Because you are home, because you're centered, because you have that peace. I love it. Uh, This is one of the things that he said that I thought was pretty striking. If small things have the power to disturb you, then who you think you are is exactly that, small. And that's pretty powerful because, honestly, small things can really set me off. And I don't know if you had that experience, but that resonated with me. Um, when I listened to him on Super Soul Sunday, he said something t- that was super powerful then that I've tried to use in my life. And I just want to leave this with you all to be thinking about too. He said for situations, um, and and he was talking about some really big situations with these individuals that no one would ever choose to have happen, but he was challenging them and saying, how would you act if you had chosen it? So if you think about some of the things that have happened, you definitely have felt like a victim or a victim of your circumstances and reacted. Um, He said, step back and really think about it. How would you act if you had chosen it? Accept it as if you had chosen it. And this will miraculously transform your whole life. So I've really thought about that because even in that moment when he was teaching, I tried to apply that to some things that I was going through, and it it changed. It did change. It changed my attitude. It, I can see how that can bring peace. Um, so, it you know, it isn't easy, and I have to constantly remind myself about it. But when I intentionally think of situations with this in mind, what if I would have chosen this? How would I act if I would have chosen this? Um, it has changed my reaction to situations, and I feel more in control and it has this strange way of invoking peace in the moment. So I challenge you guys to kind of think about that as you're facing things that you don't really want to face. What if I would have chosen this? What if I would have chosen to have my hard disk fail, my computer to crash? How would I be reacting? Well, it would absolutely be different. Mm, it's still frustrating, but 
you know, it's just a computer. I can, uh, it'll be okay. So like Gary said, it's a journey, uh, but I think we can take away some good direction from Eckhart Tolle's teachings that can bring more peace into our lives. And, and I think that, that, that then we can demonstrate it to those around us. So that's my challenge to you this week. See if you can kind of bring some peace to your life by living in the now, like we're taught, and um, acting like maybe you chose the things that are happening and see what you can do to the way you react. All right. Thanks, guys. I wish you a great week, and we'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.